God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having oh. become much better than angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Okay. My sentence ends differently. Yeah, well, my sentence doesn't end, but the thought changes. Oh. Um, so, uh, one to three, we see um, Hebrews just plunging straight into the subject. I mean, normally these letters we become familiar with start with what? Paul, yeah. the Christ to the Ephesians. Or yeah, exactly. Um, do you know why the letters usually started with the name of the author? Yes, Mark? <laughs> so, usually they were at school, so you can just go put it and see who was from instead of having to go to the bottom. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that would be really a hassle if it was a long scroll. That's so cool. I never knew that. Uh, but Mark knows it. So. How did Mark know it? I said... And it's sufficient stick. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't there for the first one. Yeah, you should have been, so you would know that. I can choose which one I was at. I just chose two. Yeah, well, if you'd chosen all of them, you'd have been there for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but this, this letter does not begin like a letter. It just plunges right into a subject. In that sense, it is similar to only one other New Testament letter, which is... John. First John. Yeah. First John. Not the Gospels. The Gospels aren't letters. Book of Acts is not a letter. But Romans to Revelation all start with letter introductions except for Hebrews and First John. They're sort of similar. Now, the main thought in 1 to 3 is what? What's he contrasting? Speaking long ago and speaking in these days. Okay, he's contrasting, yeah, this whole thing. We've got this, we might as well use it. Um, we've got this idea of speaking. And there are four contrasts in speaking uh, here in 1 to 3. Do what? Here. Making fun of me again? Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of that. Only in the most loving way possible. <laughs> My sister. <laughs> okay. Good point. All right. We have the contrast, as you mentioned, of long ago versus what? These last days. So there's a difference in the time frame of the speaking. Now, what else do you see as a contrast? To the fathers and to us. Yes, the recipients. Long ago it was to the fathers. In these last days it's to us. Good. And? The speakers. Which were? Uh, the prophets and then the son. Yes, the agents through which God spoke. The prophets versus the son. And that perhaps is the key contrast in this uh, section. Um, and there's one other, although it's not totally, exactly, completely developed. Back up. You spoke to the fathers. What's this? In the prophets? 
Yeah, and the prophets. As the agent, the, agent, the means. Yeah. The era, the recipients, the agents, and the manner. What's the contrast in manner? Many ways. Possibly yes. one way. Yes. Many ways, kind of a fragmentary approach versus the unitary approach of speaking in the sun. Now, there's a number of things we ought to say about this. Um, you know, the fact that he's talking about the last days, this is kind of the climax. This is sort of the ultimate. We've reached the, the turning point. Um, and notice that in the text as spoken to us, not in the sun, but in uh, a son. Um, in, in one who, sh- who has the quality of being a son versus through the prophets. And, and a son, that's so much more than just a spokesman. You know, prophets are a, a mouthpiece, a spokesman. But a son, well, that, that, the son has a, a direct relationship with the father. Um, and so you think about the many portions and the many ways. What kind of diverse means did the Lord reveal himself uh, in the Old Testament? Spoke directly to some Spoke people. Spoke directly to some people. And dreams. Dreams to some people. And visions. And visions and Urim and the Thummim. Good. And in Ezekiel, weird symbolic acts. And so forth and so on. It was it was kind of fragmentary. It was varied. It was one way and then another way through various channels, various prophets. But now in Christ, in one single source, God says everything he's got to say. Do you see the superiority of having this unitary revelation in the Son versus this fragmentary revelation through the prophets? So... <coughs> He's, he's making a contrast between the revelation by Jesus, the revelation by the prophets. Revelation by the prophets of the Old Covenant, revelation through Jesus and the New Covenant. Now, he makes, he talks about some of the characteristics of Jesus here in verses 2 and 3. Uh, so look at them. Whom he's appointed heir of all things. He's the one who receives everything. Through whom also he made the world. I thought God made the world. Well, yes. Jesus is God made. Yes. What's the what's the difference in role between God and Jesus in creation? It says here that it was made through the Son. So Jesus is the agent. Agent, the instrument. God is the architect. And that's a consistent uh, pronoun uh, distinction. It's through Jesus that God made the world. He's the radiance of his glory. The The word radiance here is like what rays are to light or what beams are to the sun. Jesus is the, the, the radiance of the glory of God. And he's the exact representation of his nature. He does. He's not only a spokesman for God like the prophets were, his, in his essential nature, he is God. He's, he's the very God speaking to us. Um, when, when we want to express ourselves, what do we use? 
words, which are not us. When God wanted to express himself, what did he, what did he use? The word. The word that actually is God. You know, he revealed himself more perfectly. He communicated in actually something that was him. We communicate in something sort of distinct from us. So, Jesus was exactly God. The exact reproduction of God's nature and character. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. What kind of things does Jesus uphold? This where I just say all things and we do that? Or? Yeah, well, well, give me an example. Oh. Creation. Okay, How does, what, what kind of things does he uphold in creation? All of it. <laughs> well, like, what does that mean? He sustains it. Sust- in what sense does he sustain it? What would be something he does or something that happens because he sustains it? Like keeps it from falling apart. Yes. It's the glue. What keeps it from falling apart? We've got all like the, the planetary orbits and the solar systems and how they relate. We've got the law of gravity and all that kind of stuff. And all of that is really an expression of God upholding everything by the word of his power. You know, why does the law of gravity always operate? God said so. Yeah. I mean, no Congress passed that law of gravity. You know, that's just, that's a, a, you know, a principle of how God continually and consistently runs the universe. If it weren't for God running the universe, it would disintegrate, I guess. So it's through Jesus that he does that. And then when he made purification of sins. Now, who usually purified sins? What role? Priest. The priest, the high priest. Then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, and that makes him look like a what? King. King. Yeah. Uh, he's there at the right hand of God. And he's uh, already done his prophet thing. Yes, that's right. He's the spokesman. So he's the prophet, the priest, and the king. He's the one through whom God speaks. So he's the prophet. He's the priest, he makes purification for sins, and he's at the right hand of God, he's the king. Yeah, that's definitely so. Can you think of any other prophet, priest, kings in the Bible? Wasn't Samuel? Samuel, sort of. He was the leader, he was a priest, and he was a prophet. I can think of one more. Possibly Melchizedek. I think Melchizedek. He was a priest king, but he was really a prophet also. He's revealing God's message. But it was rare. And those were sort of imperfect shadows. But Jesus does combine in his own person all three functions. Now, I always want to look for the structure of this. Okay. So you got anything to say about that? In verse 3? 2 and 3. These seven items about Jesus. Air. Let's see. Sun, air, creation, radiance, and Which seven items are you talking about? Um, 
Heir of all things, made the world through him, radiance of his glory, exact representation of his nature, upholds all things by the word of his power, made purification of sin, set down at the right hand. Those are seven things. I think we can do some things with those. I mean, well, I think they are in sort of an order. He gets it all, he made it all. Yes! He gets it all in the future. He's the heir of all things. He made it all in the past. In the present, he... Is all of it the exact representation? No, I don't think so. I want to make it... He upholds all things. Yeah. So in the past, he he made it. In the present, he upholds it. In the future, he's the heir of it. Oh, that's cool. Now, that's pretty cool. So there's three statements about his relationship to the universe. And then there are two statements about his... Relationship to God. Uh, to God, yes. The, the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And then two clauses that speak about... Relationship to us? Yes, or his historic work of redemption. He's the priest and the king. And there's several things you could say about that, but I think it divides up that way if we want to look at that that way. You know, three statements about his relationship to the universe, past, present, future, two statements about his relationship to God, and two clauses that speak about what he's done in terms of priestizing and kinging. Can you repeat that about the universe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could, but I didn't think anybody wanted me to. I'm so, I'm so pleased. Um, in the past, he made all things. Uh... To say, yeah, he through whom he made the world. That's the past. The present, he upholds all things by the word of his power. In the future, he's the heir of all things. Um, in verse two, though, it doesn't mention that he sustains all things. In my no, it's three. Upholds so you're kind of taking that back in. Yeah, I'm taking two and three together. I'm saying there are three statements in among those seven that talk about his relation with the universe. Remind you of Romans eleven thirty six. From him, through him, and to him are all things. From him, he's the creator. Through him, he's the sustainer, upholder. And to him, he's the heir. Or, Colossians 1 says all things were made by him, for him, and in him all things hold together. Same idea. So the heir is future because he hasn't... He hasn't inherited it yet. He is the, he's Even though he presently is the heir. Yeah, he's the, yeah, whatever. Right. They're still enemies. He hasn't got it all. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> he's the heir apparent. Yeah. What were the, the two ways that he related to God and to us? I mean, all right, two, two related to God is the first part of verse 3. Radiance of his glory, exact representation of his nature. And then the two other things, however we want to call those, or as being priest and king in the end of three. So well, how would you explain radiance of God's glory? Like he shines... Yes, he's the, he's the rays showing forth the glory of God. Okay. Now this isn't the only way you can divide these this up. Here's another pretty cool thing, if you want to look at it this way. Man, I don't know if I can take any more. <laughs> Whoa, did you say that? I'm, I'm already thinking I'm listening to this tape tomorrow. This is like a lot. <laughs> well, no, really. You were just in the first three verses. <laughs> <laughs> and how many pages in those? You know, it's already not in the margin space. I was going to say, yeah, I need bigger margins on those. Well, look at it. 
in verse 2, whom he appointed heir of all things. You know, that's that's his position. You know, his, um, his, his exalted position. Through whom he made the world. That's what he does in the universe. He's the radiance of his glory. We said that's his relationship to God. He's the exact representation of his nature. That's his relationship to God. He upholds all things by the word of his power. That's what he does in the universe. And when he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's his... So you've got his exaltation, his action in the universe, his relationship to God. His relationship to God, his action in the universe, his exaltation. And it centers on his relationship to God. Yes. Can you do that again? I can. That was good. Hey, they liked it. I can't believe it. All right. Okay. His, so. his exaltation is the heir of all things. Hang on. Wait. It, but it's not ordered like that, is it? Yeah. yeah it I'm is. doing it in order right now. Heir of all things. Now we're in order. He's exalted. He's the heir of all things. Then he made the world. That's his action in the universe. Get going. All right. Sorry. Exalted. Made all things. Yeah, that's his action in the universe. His, his heir of all things, that's his exalt, exaltation. Through whom he also made the worlds, that's his action in the universe. Okay. And then the next two are both his relationship to God. He's the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, his relationship to God. Then him, him upholding all things by the word of his power, that's back to his action in the universe. Mm-hmm. And then when he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's his exaltation. What do you think? That is very awesome. Yeah. That kind of helps you see it a little more clearly. Well, the fact that you understand, you know, we build so much with chiasms and you key it on the center, it all makes a lot more sense. Yeah. You know what a chiasm is, Chiasm is the idea of A, B, B, A. Or A, B, C, C, B, A. Because if you do them out, that is an X, but that's the Greek letter P or K. So we call it a It's from the Gary GIV. No, it's a very legitimate thing. I love Kiev. Wow. Well, I didn't invent them, so. All right. That makes that makes a lot more sense. Well, good. So what's the other cool? Do what? What's the other cool? The other cool. Yeah, you said you had another way. Where was that? But, uh, well, actually, I do, but we're not ready for it yet. Oh no. <laughs> we got to we got to okay. study the rest of the chapter before we get the other way. Is there another key? No, but I think you can see sort of a relationship between these points and the points he makes in the rest of the chapter. I can kind of pair them up. Okay.
like in Revelation, where that those angels came and told what the next chapter was? Yes, sort of like that. Yeah, that's right. That was that was what chapter of Revelation? I don't know. Uh, Fourteen. Good job. I studied it really recently, so it's that's cool. All right, the headline chapter. Yeah. Coming events. Yes. All right. Anything else through verse three that you want to say? Wow. <laughs> That's what I want to say. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, okay. Alright. Uh, 4 to 14. Having become as much more than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has appointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning, laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they all will become old like a garment. And like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed, but you are the same. And your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Okay. So, he talks about... Not only is Jesus greater than the prophets as the spokesman, but now Jesus is greater than the angels. Now, why would he emphasize Jesus greater than the angels? Because some people like to worship angels. Good answer, but I doubt it. <laughs> Not that they don't, but I don't think that's the point here. Angels were also messengers? Yeah, what? God? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In this context. <laughs> what did they message you? The same kind of things the prophets did. Which was? What God said. God's revealed word. His spoken. Yeah. The only one I can think of is where this angel appeared to no. Samson's mother. Abraham. Look at chapter 2 and verse 2. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? The word spoken by angels here was what? The law. The law. Look at Galatians chapter 3. And verse 19, why the law then? It was added because of transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator till the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Or look at Acts 7.53. Wait, what was this in Galatians? Galatians 3.19. Oh, I looked at 29 and then I looked at 9. So I 19. 19, okay. And Acts 7.53, the end of Stephen's speech, 
you who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. So there are three references to the law being mediated by angels. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. The angel is the mediator of the old covenant. Jesus is greater than the angels. He's the greater mediator. Uh, Hebrews 2.2 Galatians 3.19 Acts 7.53 Sort of like the gospel is to the law as Jesus is to the angels. Jesus is infinitely greater than the angels therefore the gospel he mediated is infinitely greater than the law that they mediated. How did the angels mediate it? Do we have any example? Evidently, they were the intermediaries between God and Moses. But I thought Moses could talk directly to God. Yeah, yeah, in a way. But when he got the law, evidently these passages are saying that the angels were there. They were the ones that bore the stone tablets. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that there's a whole lot in the Old Testament about that, but these three passages, I think, are sufficient to establish it. I think that's his point. There's, you know, when we, when we look at this, he's not just coming up with random things. Oh, I'll tell them Jesus is greater than the angels. And then spend a whole, nearly a chapter trying to prove it. As if there was really any debate about that anyway. He's trying to show the superiority of Christianity. He's writing this to people who are tempted to go back to the Old Testament law. But Jesus is a much greater spokesman than the prophets. And he's a much greater mediator than the angels. And he's a much greater greater lawgiver than Moses, chapter 3. And a much greater high priest than Aaron, chapter 414 and following, etc. Why go back to what's inferior? Does that make sense? The key word in uh, Hebrews is better. Verse 4. That's the key word of Hebrews. Better. Better things, better things. Bunch of betters. Alright, do you have a question through 1 4? Okay, look at some of the ways in which he shows Jesus was better than the angels. Verse 5, for example. He's the son. His relationship to God. Yes, he's the son. Both of these passages <laughs> inside. <laughs> How it fits with the verses so well. Well, let's not get carried away here. <laughs> well, that's good. But, we'll see. Um, <laughs> he thinks you haven't figured it out. Well, we haven't gotten enough information really yet to get the whole picture before us. But, or but maybe she's smart. That too. She's related to me. <laughs> no. I'm sure she got it from her mother. Yeah. Instead of you. Yeah. <laughs> Not that she you don't know about her. <laughs> she takes after her uncle. <laughs> yeah. We're certainly happy about that. Um, so, let's see about this. Oh, I'm at it. This could be your mother. No, it's not.
Psalm 2 and 2 Samuel 7 are passages relating to the position of king being the, the exalted son position. And the angels were never king, therefore they never received that position of son. There's a lot to the idea of the son and the king. Uh, because in 2 Samuel 7, God says of the king, said there'll be a son to me and I'll be a father to them. Uh, so, but, he never said that to the angels. So, Jesus' name is greater than the angels' name. Then in verse 6, what do you see? The angels worship him. Yes! His dignity is greater than theirs. He's worthy of their worship. When he comes into the world, probably means when he comes into the heavenly world. And who do we know is the exclusive to be the exclusive object of worship according to Matthew 4.10? Thou shalt worship thee. Lord. Thy God and him oh, shalt thou serve. So if Jesus receives the angels' worship, what does that tell you about him? Yeah. And then a very cool section in 7 through 12. <clears throat> what do you see the angels? Yeah, as in verse 7. Nature? Ministers? Winds and flames. Winds and flames of fire. Now what, what do winds and flames of fire have in common? They are related in some way to the spirit. Yeah. And what else? Physically what do they have in common? They're very difficult to capture. Yeah. They kind of go crazy. Yeah. What's another word for that? They're very... Unpredictable? Unpredictable. Changeable. Unsteady. You know, they're not They're not solid. Just kind of... You know, whatever. Um, in contrast, verse 8 of the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. He never changes. He's always the same. He's the ruler and he's the solid one. Uh, he'll say in 12, but you are the same and your years will not come to an end. They're so unsteady, they're so unstable, they're like winds or flames of fire. But, but on the other hand, Jesus is, he never changes, his throne is forever. Therefore, what had God done with him in verse 9? Yes anointed him with the oil of gladness above his companions. Now, when you think of being anointed, that makes you think of what? King. King or priest. Priest. Or it makes you think about the... Therefore. What? <laughs> <laughs> oil anointing. Uh, I was going to say healing, but... <laughs> uh, but what was the... I mean, anointed one. Messiah. Messiah. The Christ. The anointed one. 
Jesus was the anointed one, anointed with the oil of gladness above his companions. Guess who the companions probably were? The angels. Were they the Messiah? Were they the anointed ones? Here you see the symbolic idea of, of anointing. Not that Jesus was literally anointed necessarily, but he was he, he was the anointed one. He was the, the, the chosen and elevated one. And you see the stability of the Lord. You know, in verses 10 through 12, how, how the heavens and the earth are... Uh, were, will perish. They'll be rolled up. I mean, you don't think of the heavens and the earth really as being all that unstable. <laughs> but they are in comparison with you who are the same, your years will not come to an end. You know, even the created world is going to be rolled up, but the sun not, will, will always remain the same. Now, you might look at that passage back in Psalm 102 for a moment, that's being cited here. Psalm 102, verses 25 to 27. is spoken about whom? God. God, who is interpreted as being whom? throughout this psalm. Jehovah. This is a psalm directed toward Jehovah applied to Jesus. And there are a number of passages in the Old Testament relating to Jehovah applied to Jesus in the New Testament. Thanks for being here, Mark. I guess I'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you. Are you going to see me? Oh, yeah. We'll see more of each other then. Okay. Leave, Mark. Okay. Bye. See ya. See you, Mark. Slow. I I didn't know that. I'm so awful. Yeah, that's right. Taught him everything he knows. Yeah, not much, but... So you see Jesus' being is greater than theirs. He's unchanged. His name's greater than theirs, he's the Son. His dignity's greater than theirs, he's worthy of their worship. His being is greater than theirs, he's unchanged. That's 7 through 12. What comments and questions do you have through verse 12? In 13 and 14, his function is greater than theirs. What does he do? Rules? Yes. He, he, he reigns at God's right hand. What do they do? The angels. Minister. They render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Yeah. They're God's workforce looking after us. Work. Workforce. Oh. 
They're, they're the, the ministering spirits serving us. God uses them to bless those who will inherit salvation. So he's reigning at the right hand, and God's sending the angels down here to serve us. So Jesus is like... He's the, he's the ruler, they're the servants. Yeah. His function is much greater than theirs. In every way, Jesus proves himself so much greater than the angels, so the, the word he's the mediator of must be a much greater word than what they are the mediators of. Ariel. How did the part about him in the universe and how he rolled up, how did that relate to the angels? Well, it's the idea that the, uh, the, even the world itself is less stable. Than Jesus. Okay, but that didn't specifically mention angels. No, but the angels are like flames of fire and wind. Whereas Jesus is more stable than the universe itself. Okay. So you've got the infinitely unstable versus the incredibly, unbelievably stable. Got so that's pretty cool uh, to see all of that. Uh, somewhere or other, I got some notes here. Um, I mean, I don't know about this, but at least some of these points um, relate to what he said in 2 and 3, like being the heir of all things, kind of see that in several of these verses. Um, um, and then his being the mediator of the creation, look back at, look at verse 10, he laid the foundation of the earth. Um, you know, you see his um, glory in uh, 11 and 12 to some extent. You see him be exalted to right, God's right hand like he said in verse 3 and verse 13. So there are some parallels in what he says in 2 and 3 with what he elaborates on in the rest of the chapter. I wouldn't, I don't know that I see anything dramatic in that. But I do think he's kind of set us up for what he's going to say to us. She sees more of it. I liked what I saw. Well, good. What did you see? Well, I saw, well, the main three things in the chiasm were exaltation, role in the universe, and relationship with God. And so it talks about father to son would be the uh, relationship with God. They talked about the universe. And then they talked about his next question. That's what I saw, too. Good. Gary missed it. That's not on you. Alright, so, other comments or questions here on chapter 1? I hadn't ever seen all that on chapter 1. Well, that was pretty cool. Good check. And so, chapter 2, we'll have to wait a while. I can't be here next week. I can't be the, here the following week. So how about the first week of July? Like July the 3rd. It sounds like not a kitty. <laughs> July the 2nd. That's right. July the 2nd. Bummer. <laughs> I'd like it before then. Well, I've got a meeting next week and I've got the girls camp the following week. He's got the girls camp. Well, i got a teacher <laughs> in the afternoon. Thank you.